Welcome to Educated Messes, a podcast to help you sift through the bullshit around work, well-being, and relationships. We'll ask questions, seek answers, and share experiences to help you navigate the messier parts of life. Because trial and error is a lot easier when we do it for you. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kyla, and I'm so excited about this episode. We talked to Rachel Kaplan, who we've talked about before. I mentioned her in my crying in a my <laughs> in my part of the crying in a good way episode. And it feels very special that she liked our podcast enough to be on it. So Kels, tell us more about Rachel. I shall. Yes, I agree. So exciting. Just us manifesting things out loud. No big <laughs> yeah. deal. So yeah, Rachel Kaplan, we talked about before because we were referencing the Healing Feeling Shit Show. Kyla was participating in, I guess participating is sort of a weird <laughs> word. Was, was viewing, following along. Yeah. Online videos on YouTube, but Rachel has lots of different avenues that you can find her information. So she's a licensed psychotherapist. She's been practicing for 16 years and she's the creator and host of the podcast, The Healing Feeling Shit Show. And she studied healing for a really long time and has learned from different people, both in a professional capacity. And she tells some great stories about, you know, more organic ways that she's learned about healing. And she has a private practice based out of San Francisco. But in addition to that, she provides lots of free content, which is amazing. She calls it emotional potty training for grown-ups and she has a TikTok which she's active on at the feelings movement like we mentioned her podcast and then on YouTube as well yes Kyla yes that is true and what we're talking about in this episode and what a lot of Rachel's content kind of centers around is how to feel your feelings and move emotions through you and process things in healthy ways. This is stuff that we both have struggled with a lot in the past, as you would know if, <laughs> if you've listened to us. So yeah, Rachel's work was pretty life-changing for me. So excited for y'all to learn along with us. Yeah. After we recorded this, I texted Kyla and I was like, low key, I think that just changed my life. So that's my teaser for you on, you know, gearing up for this episode. I just think it was super profound and really interesting. And whether you feel a lot or you're having trouble feeling at all, this podcast episode will resonate with you. And yeah, enjoy listening and and thank you to Rachel again for talking to us. Hi, Rachel. Hi. We're so excited to talk to you. We just recorded your bio so everybody knows exactly who you are, but a bit of context for how I found you personally. The TikTok algorithm sent you to me during what I call my bad, bad, sad times last summer and your work really helped me to basically move through some pretty big feelings. And Kelsey and I are both gals with a lot of big feelings. So we're really excited to learn more about your work. So thank you for being with us and just jumping right in. Let's hear a little bit more about you. What's your story and how did you get so into feelings? Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast and um, thanks for the invitation. And yeah, for me, it starts in a bit of a sad place, which is 
that my first love and first big, big attachment, which of course doesn't make sense if you've studied attachment because everyone's attached to their parents also. Mm -hmm. But the first person I just wanted to be as close to as possible committed suicide. Um, So that was my boyfriend uh, Mm -hmm. when we were both 14. And so it was just annihilating, really, truly a death of sorts. And so by roughly... By 15, I was desperately searching. And by 16, it was I was searching in the therapeutic realms. And that journey really sent me, uh, I mean, I'm 42. So it's been like since then. So it's, you know, over 25 years. And that journey sent me through kind of Eastern religions and down a professional path of becoming a psychotherapist in my early 20s. And I've now been sitting with people for 16 years. And the thing that makes you want to talk to you about feelings <laughs> is that after spending so much time and energy desperately seeking solace, peace, self-love, comfort, ease in myself, the thing that actually changed my life, uh, the work that actually made me easily be able to say, I love myself, I feel pretty whole, to, to not feel like shame was a baseline and that I and I wasn't struggling with worthlessness or imposter syndrome was doing very intensive work that was focused on emotional release work. Mm-hmm. And so after that time, and it was actually outside of a therapeutic context, it was with like a desert ninja, we'll call him. He's very <laughs> private. So he's asked me to not use his name and whatnot, but very fascinating work, really earth connected work. But I became really skilled at learning how to move my awareness into my pain, skillfully move the pain out and recover from that. And it was life-changing. And I had already been a a professional psychotherapist for about a a decade. I'll just share this one piece because I think it's really beautiful. This healer said to me at some point, the healing you're receiving is a debt. Mm -hmm. And there's no way to pay this back other than really claiming your life and moving it forward. And I was like, at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I didn't totally get it. And then probably within a year of concluding with the work. And, and I also left a marriage and I was out in the world and touring internationally, seeing my favorite rock band and really like with myself, I realized, oh my God, I finally love myself. And some, some short amount of time after that, I was like, oh, I have to make a podcast. And that's <laughs> turned into, I have to make a podcast. I have to um, turn it into a book, which is part of how, why and how I'm hustling on TikTok. And now I'm having the most fun making short form content on, on TikTok and YouTube. So it's basically, this is the thing that I think is game changing. And what I will say is that anyone listening, and I imagine people who listen to you, they want to feel better. They want to heal. So I'm sure everyone's doing their absolute best. And I think that there are things I now understand from my own work and from, you know, I don't know, almost a hundred clients since working this way that I think are game changing. And that if you don't have certain things in place, like a fluid or healthy emotional system, you're screwed. And if you do, I think it's actually kind of like you get, it's almost like you can handle anything. I call it emotional resilience. I say it's better than happy. And I really think knowing how to move our feelings is how we gain self-confidence, self-trust and resilience. And if anyone is living in this time and doesn't think we need resilience, I mean, (laughs) tell me where I should go. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's so ties to what we were talking about. I think it was just in our last episode on how in the past we were kind of like noodling on how happiness seemed like a goal that at least for us personally was just like always very hard to reach. So we kind of had settled on like, okay, contentment, like contentment is maybe the goal, but yeah, just the last episode we were talking about was like 
even that seems like for, for gals with big feelings, like maybe a bit lofty and also like, I don't know, on the positive side of things a little bit, but I really like how Kelsey put it last episode, like the goal just being, how do we like accept what is here and, and sit with what is here? And yeah, so I'm, I'm so excited that this lined up. It feels really connected to the authenticity stuff that we've been chatting about. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, and that's really deep wisdom. And that could be its own full episode is like, what are we actually after? And I do think that this work, you know, can help us find that big, juicy midpoint where we're not chasing highs, we're not chasing happy, and we, we can accept and be with, and almost that our pain becomes no less pleasurable or preferable than our pleasure. You know, it's, yeah. I feel like it can become very neutral. So I love that you guys are also talking about just being with what is. Yeah. Neutral, neutral. We can do neutral. <laughs> neutral is okay. the new amazing. <laughs> yeah, totally. So digging into our questions, we like to kind of like define our topics a little bit, just get grounded and, you know, make sure we're all on the same page. So for you and the definitions that you work from, what are feelings and what does it mean to feel your feelings? Great. Yeah. Feeling your feelings is having a moment culturally, which is fantastic and what I'm committed to. And so I'm sure people, listeners have heard that. So I think it's really good to be like, well, how? Because <laughs> I, I think we're getting a lot of shoulds and, and mm-hmm. you know, instruction that we should feel our feelings. And I don't think your listeners, I'm sure you guys have talked about shoulds, but it's like, how (laughs) how do we actually do it? One thing I just want to say before I answer that is I know there's a lot of people in the field of, of therapy and psychology and feeling education, let's call it, who are making a really big distinction between emotions and feelings. And I'll just say that in my work, I don't make that distinction. I use them Similarly, because I'm teaching people how to have the sensations, because for me, the way I define feeling in my fun, playful way is it's an intense cluster of sensations rolling together in a squad through your body. Mm -hmm. So feelings in my world are sensations. I know that some people can say, well, feelings are the stories we make about the sensations and emotions are the sensations. And I just, I don't use that distinction. So the question of just how to feel your feelings or, or just why? Yeah. The steps of feeling your feelings or like getting into your body. And I think the definition that we're working from too, is kind of like the sensations in your body, yeah. our stories and examples are kind of like, we had a really hard time connecting to our bodies for a long time. And, and knowing that like those sensations meant things and were there to, to tell us things. So yeah, I guess like, how do you tune in or like, what are the steps to using those sensations to, yeah, yeah, like feel your feelings, process them, move through them. I'm going to do that in one second. And I want to just do a tiny bit of a a blurb first about speaking to what you wanted me to to speak to, which is what if people can't, like, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. And what I want to say is that we are living in a culture where, you know, and, and we lived, we started, our culture was our families originally, right? When we were little sacks of cells and we were raised by humans. And the older you go generationally, the less permission people were given to have their feelings. There wasn't like a feelings TikTok for mm-hmm. our, our parents. And particularly, I like to say for our fathers, because I think that that's a big part of things. And so anyone who has children knows it's brutal. It's never ending. It's relentless. And trying to keep another organism alive, you know, who might be screaming, crying, melting down over the most, you know, unlogical thing Mm -hmm. while you're trying to feed them and grocery shop for them, all of that is very hard. And so 
very early in our lives. And even in the best case scenario, parents have been subtly shooting their children out of having their feelings. And it can be as simple as saying you're fine. It can be, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of, like really loving gestures from parents. Mm -hmm. And so because we are little baby organisms that absolutely know deep in our survival mechanism and our brain that we need these people to feed us and keep us safe, we want nothing more than to be what they want us to be. And so if we're getting this subtle conditioning, and this is taking out, you know, the horrific stuff like shaming or abuse or neglect, you know, there's a big spectrum between best case scenario and just a well-intentioned parent and that abuse or traumatic childhoods. But even in the best case scenario, we're being kind of shaped to be less emotional because it makes us easier to raise. So, so what that means, what we do in that case is we think, oh, okay, well, if I cry a lot and mom gets really glassy eyed or dad gets really mad or grandma or whoever it is, you know, I shouldn't do that. And so we try to kind of push those parts of us out of our expression. And I have all kinds of fun metaphors for that, but it's basically, if you could imagine pushing a part of you into a basement and we try to operate as if that were not part of us. And so we want the love, like the love at that age is survival. So we kind of start putting, and this is important if we're going to look at authenticity, because we start putting very true parts of us, very sensitive parts of us, the parts of us that know even things like when we're hungry and tired and when we're, you know, unhappy, we, we start separating from those parts of us. And so then you start meeting friends and, you know, the various ages of school. We know that that can be brutal. Kids growing up now, it's like the pressures of social media and all of it. And, and to go back to the culture and, and our economy, you know, we're living at a time where everyone realizes we feel insecure and they can capitalize on that, like literally profit off of our insecurity by telling us that if we just buy or consume or distract or participate in whatever they're selling, we'll be okay. And so for anyone who's listening, who's like, what do you mean my feelings? It's like, of course, that's the most obvious thing ever. You know, and the metaphor I use is, could we live in the world eating food every day and not pooping? And would we be healthy? Because one of the things that we did learn as kids, I'm, I'm like learning how to be with our feelings. We learned that, you know, when you have the rumbling of sensation in your body, that's like cramping in your guts, that there's only one thing you can do to get rid of it. And it's to go to the bathroom and leave a poop. And I do like to say leave because we don't take our poops. It's so interesting language wise, but you go poop, right? Yeah, totally. I've heard it also described as, I think this was from like the therapy in a nutshell course that I've mentioned before, but as like a fish processing plant where like, if you bring in fish and you don't process the fish, then they'll, the fish will start to rot and it'll stink up the plant and more fish are coming in and you have to, you have to process them at some yeah. point with the fish being feelings. Love but I really that. like that. And I think we've talked in the past of kind of the thought of like metabolizing a feeling and it totally feels aligned with that metaphor. So that makes a lot of sense. I think that's yeah. helpful to visualize. We can think about poop. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I don't have to focus on it too much, but you know, just to go back to what we're trying instead of turning toward our feelings, which I will articulate exactly the steps I teach it in, in a moment, <laughs> but what we're generally trying to do instead, um, most of us is you know, find an alternative when we feel a, a discomfort or a rumbling of emotional sensation, because remember emotions are sensations rolling in squats. And I'll say more about that in a second that we're like, oh, okay, maybe I should go on TikTok. Maybe I should eat some sugar. Maybe I should watch Netflix. Maybe I should 
check if I got a match on Tinder, whatever your thing is. And, you know, those can be very destructive addictions, but, you know, even the most well-intentioned, quote unquote, non-addicted person right now, we have so much distraction from our inner world and our emotions. And the problem is just like at the fish plant, it's gnarly. You end up totally full of shit, like full of shit. Like you're not yourself full of shit, like super backlogged. And actually, you know, the emotions, if we don't process them, it becomes more and more challenging to process them. And it requires more and more skill and bandwidth and capacity to process them. And so that's why I think it's so crucial and why you're asking such a great question to say, well, how do you do it? Because at this point, people, someone trying to feel their feelings is likely trying to feel it after decades of numbness Mm -hmm. and decades of just kind of operating above the feelings. And so there's a lot of skill that's required and a lot of, you have to build this new muscle memory. I like the idea of when we talk about metabolizing it or The idea of simplifying it in a way where it's like becomes more biological, I think is so important because I definitely fall into the camp of people who like, I think I'm a deeply sensitive person who's tried for a long time to not be a sensitive person. And so I think I resonate a lot with the idea of it being just sort of like a function of our bodies to experience emotions because I think there can be a lot of shame around being a sensitive person or someone who, you know, emotes heavily. And so the idea of it just being like, you're receiving information and it, it comes up in your body in a physical way. And then you need to do something with that in the same way we do with digestion and all of these things. For me, it, it like removes shame from the equation as well. Yeah. So I really like that metaphor. I love what you just said. And it 100% is just totally biological. Think of how many systems in our body we have to maintain homeostasis. Like we Mm -hmm. cry, we sweat, we poo, we pee. And, you know, similarly, the energetics of our body have their own system, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to, to have a baseline. And so, you know, on a small scale, if someone's having a good day and then something hard happens, feeling it out, letting it move through you, letting it, go is going to help you recover your baseline. And then the thing I'm really interested in of, you know, someone healing over time, it's like, if they're stuck in the gutter of like, let's say, shame, which is actually, you know, I think at everyone's crux of of wounding, but, you know, whether it's shame or rage or despair, hopelessness, or feeling terrified all the time, like those are kind of all of the emotions at their extreme negative place. It's like, if that's where someone's baseline is, that's just kind of how they feel if they're not either medicating or distracting, you know, you have a lot of little poops you need to, you know, do to bring them up to that juicy midpoint we were talking about. And usually what people do when they have that as a baseline, they're going to chase the high, the kind of extreme opposite of their emotion. And then, and then you have just, you know, a whole other circus of, you know, you feel terrible, but you're chasing the relief in this other extreme way. Whereas if your body just like slowly over time, like let's go and you're able to develop the skill to actually bring your awareness into those old feelings, you know, not just like what's happening each day, you can really change your entire sense of who you are. And that's when I said, like, I didn't have shame as a baseline anymore. It's like, it's really true and so noticeable. And shame's a strong word. I think it makes people uncomfortable just even hearing it. But anyone listening who's like wonders if you're good enough, wonders if someone will love you over time, wonders if you're good, you know, if you really deserve your job or anything in your life. It's like that is it's the most natural 
thing, you know, it's almost like what everyone has because when that stuff happened with our parents and they weren't meeting our needs and we were having discomfort, it was actually the more adaptive assumption to imagine that it was our fault so that we could do something about it. To think that actually, no, it's not my fault. I'm just this innocent little child, but these parents really don't know what they're doing or these parents aren't taking care of me or causing me great pain is so intolerable for a child. So whatever happened to us, we think it's our fault because that was the way to get through it. And so mm-hmm. deep down in everyone's system, they're like, am I enough? I don't know yeah. if I'm enough. And me telling you you're enough, these beautiful beings telling you enough on this podcast, or <laughs> you know, you saying to yourself in the mirror with affirmations, you're enough actually doesn't heal you. But you know what does is feeling the pain of how, how excruciating it's been to feel like you're not enough skillfully in the way that I'm going to teach eventually <laughs> over time. You do that enough. You let that pain come up. You, you bring it into your system enough. You know, you bring the part of you that holds that pain. You find that part of you that's buried in your emotional basement. You start to clear it out. You start to have your feeling poops. Boom. Suddenly you're like, oh, I'm, I'm enough. And I'm enough with all of me, with the sensitive parts of me. And how beautiful you're a big feeler. Me too. Oh, I love this. I feel like I could just keep you here forever. I just have like so many questions and so much coming up, but I won't get too much into it, even though I want to. But yeah, I really like the idea. And I think I've said this in the past on the podcast of like integration of like welcoming all the little bits. We talked in the past episode about my inner baby that that I recently discovered. And yeah, just like giving everyone some big old self-compassion. We love that so much. So beautiful. why don't we let you teach us the steps? I'm so excited to hear from you. I will just say briefly that that is, that's like the the healing that I teach is like, I call it like a two wing bird. And that is one of the wings. That's the non-emotional potty training wing. The other wing is like finding those parts and how do you create a, a connection with them? It's like reintegrating the wounded parts, because if you don't do that, you, you won't have any access to the pain. The pain is kind of hidden. So those, those two wings make you able to fly. Okay. So are we ready? (laughs) The long awaited steps. (laughs) I feel so much better about giving them in this, like this moment than the last one, because it's like, I think that everything we said helps us have compassion for like how it makes perfect sense that this is where we are. And so anyone who's like, feel, what do you mean feelings? It's like, yeah, of course. Okay. So First of all, it's really fun trying to break these down into steps because it's such an organic process. And the flip side of that statement means it's not linear. And so these Mm. steps are a little bit, you know, misleading. It's going to be different for you. It's going to be different every time you try to do it. And it's not necessarily like it happens in order necessarily. Okay. So that's the caveat. But this is, it's still like, this is the basic deal. So recently, someone who's trying to help me with my marketing was like, can you make that an acronym? (laughs) So the first acronym of just like the basics of how to feel your feelings is ACT TP for toilet paper. Okay. Um, Because emotional potty training. Because poop. ACT ACT TP. So let's start with A. So I'll just say what the words are and then I'll, I'll elaborate. So A is awareness. C is curiosity. T is turning toward. The other T is either touch or support. And P is permission. So let's break this down. Awareness, which is, it's just our basic ability to attend. Like you could hear, you could be aware of sounds right now. Our voices, we're talking to you. You could be aware of 
sensation in your body. You could be aware of, I mean, it's usually our, our awareness basically has two options where it's outside of ourselves or inside of ourselves. Okay. And so the first step is noticing what you're paying attention to. And when you are trying to have your feelings, you bring your awareness into your body. And I think the most useful places to look are between the jaw and the crotch, like your core. The, you know, a lot of times. <laughs> oh, people, like the whole torso. Yeah. The entire <laughs> torso. It. Yeah. Like sometimes people, I, I do have clients that will express, you know, feeling sensation in their face or behind their eyes. And I know for me, if I, something weird happens while driving, I'll feel huge amounts of blood pumping into my arms. So I'm not saying the limbs aren't part of it, but really our core, our chest, our belly, the soft parts of your, of your torso, as you're saying, are, are where you want to bring awareness to. Now, the first step though, is like, are you in a quiet place? Is your cell phone next to you and going off? Are you, is there music? Is there, is there something distracting you? So ideally, even before we try these steps, we want to set ourselves up well. We want to have a safe container. And the other thing I'll say is that this, what I'm describing is what you're doing when you're like proactive about it where you're like, I want to feel my feelings today. A lot of times where people start just to say, is that like something hard happened and suddenly you're having feelings. So that way in, and that happens to me a lot. It's like, I'll be like, wait, something suddenly feels weird inside. What happened? Something shifted. You know, sometimes I'll be aware of like, I'll look back. Oh, I got that. I had a weird feeling about that one email or there was, there was a little disappointment about this thing, you know, and sometimes my, that might be enough. Or if you're busy that day, if you don't have time to go like sit and have your feelings, that's okay. You're not going to do this all day. In fact, definitely don't. And you're not even necessarily going to do this every day. So sometimes just the awareness of something happened, I'm having feelings is fine or necessary. But if you do have space or if you do want to do this deeper healing, then you want to kind of create a container for it. And then you bring your awareness inside your body. And I would say that then the, you know, part of that step is really about slowing down. So taking deep breaths. And the great thing about your breath is it's constantly happening in each moment. Your thoughts are not. Your thoughts have nothing to do with the present moment, almost ever. If, if, they, if you're in the present moment with, with your thoughts or with your mind, it's awareness more, which I'm not shaming thoughts. Thoughts are great. I love thinking, <laughs> but it's like, you, you know, you want to follow your breath. And so it might be helpful to put your hand on your chest or your belly and use that to anchor into the fact that you're breathing. But you basically slow down and go inside with your awareness. So that's step one. Step two is curiosity. What the hell is happening in there? How are you doing? Okay. And I really want to emphasize, I don't know that someone would ask that at this moment, but I think the way most of us turn to our feelings, we ask this question that's just a disaster question, which is why am I feeling like blank, blank, blank? Yeah, you know? that was one of our questions that I think we had written down is like, do you have to know why you're feeling something in order to move it? And I, I was listening back to one of your episodes and it actually sounds like that might be the opposite of what you yeah. want to do. You don't have to know why. And actually asking the question why sends us back into our heads. And actually, when right. we ask the question why, we're subtly or not so subtly shooting on ourselves. Because if I was like, all right, ladies, I'm going to go to work now. I mean, it's a little late in the day. You might be like, really? It's Friday. <laughs> but like, let's say it was morning. And I said, okay, I have to go do work. You wouldn't be like, why? Because you'd be like, yeah. obviously, right? But if we're sad or if we're anxious, you know, we say that and it subtly tells us 
that that we're not okay, that we shouldn't be this way. And so the, yeah. the big million dollar question is how, mm. how, and you're just like collecting information. It's like phenomenological, like, okay, how am I feeling? Okay. And this could be anywhere from, I'm a little tired, kind of just getting a basic sense of, okay, I'm a little heavy, you know, is, is my, is my feeling state like kind of heavy and draggy? Like, am I collapsing or am I kind of buzzy? Am I frenetic? Like just getting a basic sense of like, do I feel up? Do I feel down? You know, and then taking that deeper, like with the curiosity is, and this is kind of combines the next step. So I'll just bring it in. It's turning toward taking it deeper is like what's happening in my torso. Is, is there discomfort? Is there an area that's holding really strong sensations? And, you know, most of the feelings, once they're really happening for people who have not been having feelings are going to feel uncomfortable. Like you, and, and numbness, a lot of people will just, they'll try to turn toward themselves and they won't feel much. And that, that's going to bring up a whole other slew of feelings. And let me give you a quick hack. If that happens and you're like, shit, I can't do it. Here I am failing another thing. Guess what? Those thoughts are going to bring up sensations. So instead of just thinking that, why don't you ask yourself, okay, how does feeling like yet again, I'm a failure, feel in my torso. And that will kind of help you turn toward. The first T of turning toward, that's really important because most of us, I almost think that's the most, if you hear anything from me today, especially if you're a beginner, hear that if you can turn toward yourself instead of away from yourself when you're uncomfortable, you're like 75% of the way there. You know, just Mm -hmm. try to slow down and pause for a moment. Place a hand, which is the next T, Place a hand, touch yourself, like, you know, and I'm not, you know, touch your torso. <laughs> I mean, touch yourself, but like, this way, like touch, touch where you feel sensation. Like Try soothe to give, yourself. Yes. Yeah. Or, or even just like, yeah, soothing, ideally, yeah, supporting, like bringing your awareness in and just be with yourself, whatever that means in that moment. If you can do that, instead of try to run to the next distraction, you're going to slowly carve the pathway for these feelings to start to come up and out. So it's turning toward instead of away. It's like biggest thing you're going to get today. This is reminding me, Kelsey, I don't know if this is coming to your mind, but the experience you had of like, why is this coming up now? Yes. Yeah. So I briefly shared this on a previous episode, but I had an experience earlier this winter where I was having like strong, sad feelings about something that happened like a decade ago in my life. And I remember being really surprised and I was doing the why I think I was being like, why am I feeling this way now? What does this mean? And it was very confusing. And I remember speaking to a therapist at the time and they had shared like, well, now you have the safety and support to feel the feelings that you, you probably wanted to feel 10 years ago, but didn't have the like structure and safety to do so. And so it's really not a question of why now, like it makes sense for it to be now you have uh, like a net beneath you to feel big feelings that you sort of like narrowly escaped from years ago. So it's super interesting because I definitely relate to this like numbness feeling. Even your hack that you just shared is so interesting for me to reflect on. I've shared this before too, but 
having like the Cameron Diaz in the holiday moment where (laughs) she just can't cry, like just no tears are coming. And I just think about those times where it really does start to reflect on yourself where you're like, you start to go, what's wrong with me? Like why I should be, I am sad. I shouldn't be sad shooting yourself for sure. (laughs) But I think it is such a, a unique feeling to almost know logically that there's feelings there, but like not be able to find the sensation, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved what you said. I want to respond to the end, but even what you said earlier about just that you were at a place where you were able to feel, I think that's really important. And I want to say something and then do a caveat about it, which is, I do think we mostly get access to our feelings when we can handle them. And I, you know, I don't think that's true. Also, there are people dealing with things that are so beyond their capacity, their skills, their resources. It's not like we're living in a fair world. We're not living in a healthy world. We're not living in a world where everyone has the same experience. So I think there is that kind of trope that like, don't worry, you know, you'll only be given what you can deal with. And I don't want to necessarily support that, but I do think the body keeps us numb to things that we are not ready for in its own, in its own way. And then the second thing that you said about, you know, when you're, you know, you should be feeling or you are sad, but you don't have any access to it. It just brings up this really delicate component of this healing work and of emotional release work, we can call it, or emotional potty training, which is if suddenly you're like, oh, sounds like it's cool to feel your feelings and that's the way I'm going to love myself. And you're like, all right, little bitches, you know, <laughs> time to speak. what do you mean? You know, it's, you have to cry. It's like, these are the most tender and exploited, excluded, you know, villainized parts of us. Mm-hmm. We have abandoned them for however old we are. <laughs> and you know, we finally go to try to find them and now we're going to be all demanding. It's like, heck no, that's not going to work. And so what I like, the words I like to use for this is if you can think this is about giving care, it's about, and this brings us to our last letter. It's about giving permission. You're trying to create an environment where the parts of you that feel bad get to be as they are. You are not trying to be like, I need to squeeze that poop out. (laughs) And, And it's tricky because of course, once you hear all this and you learn this and you realize, okay, I have, I am constipated with decades of unfelt feelings you want, and you might know that how good you feel after a big cry, the, the mm-hmm. tremendous relief that happens you want to feel, but mm-hmm. anytime we get too pushy about it, you know, it's, it's going to backfire. And so I think just like giving care and, and it took me a long time. It was actually toward the end of the work that I did deep in this kind of model with the, with the desert guy where I was like, Oh, care, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's just, and and, you know, my friend who's done friend and colleague, who's done the most of work of of this I've ever of anyone I've ever known says like, even she sometimes forgets like, Oh, what are we supposed to do? Oh, just, we're supposed to just try to slow down and let ourselves be how we are. And Mm -hmm. that is a very different vibe than like, why don't you cry? You know? Yeah. (laughs) I also, if I can sort of build off of that to have a question for you around, like, I really appreciate what you're saying about how I feel like there is this movement around feeling your feelings. And I I do feel like we're embracing it more and more. And I'm curious, I feel like sadness and crying often is like now becoming more acceptable, but things like anger or 
frustration or like some of these emotions that we like typically are maybe barely even call them emotions. I feel like get a really bad rap. And I'm wondering like, is that rightfully so? I feel like in this period where I was more emotionally stagnant in terms of tears, I was maybe heavier on like the (laughs) anger. And so I was guessing, I'm just curious. I feel like people have a really negative association with people who get mad. And I know that it obviously shouldn't cause harm, but I guess I'm curious, like, is there space for that? Is that a feeling that we should embrace if it comes up for us? Well, I love this topic so much because I totally agree that that anger has a bad rap and that even in the therapeutic world, you know, talking about managing anger, you know, that's kind of what we were saying, you know, like managing those parts or, mm-hmm. you know, trying to contain something. And it's absolutely one of the essential emotions, which means there's no way out of it, which mm-hmm. means there must be some purpose to it. Right. Now, someone who, if we remember how I was talking about like being deep in the gutter of like the extreme negative, someone who's filled with rage, let's say at like, you know, a negative 10, someone's just like, they are freaking out at everyone. That's one way it looks. Another way it looks is that someone is so in denial of their anger that they're, they're kind of a martyr and then their explosions of, of rage are going to be more occasional, but it's like also a really extreme version of of rage. And then we might think of like a positive version of anger being like passion and zealousness. Like, but interestingly, my teacher, the person I've been talking about, he brings it into elements. And I teach a lot about anger by looking at the elements. And according to him, because he's like this weird, like plant healer, <laughs> earth ninja, that the emotions are actually made of elements. And what, mm-hmm. what emotion or what element do you think correlates to anger? Fire. Fire. <laughs> right, fire. So what's cool about looking at it that way is, so fire we know is really destructive. It can burn down forest and on our coast, that happens a lot. It can burn down your house. And just like rage, you can burn down your relationship. You can destroy your job with it. You can take someone's life with it. There is so much damage and destruction. That's actually what that element and that emotion seeks to do is destroy. Mm-hmm. But do we we constantly use fire, right? We we cook with it. If we were in the wild, we would want it. We would mm-hmm. cars, you know, I've tried to- <laughs> cars and stuff. <laughs> yeah, mechanics, I mean, explosions, <laughs> gas, you know. Totally. (laughs) We're now outside of my wheelhouse. Um, But yeah, but we wouldn't, if I was like cold, I wouldn't put a fire on the living room floor. And if we were in the wild, you'd be really smart to put, you know, a ring of rocks around your fire. We contain it. And so um, 100%, you know, we want people to learn, or I want people I'm teaching, and I do a lot of teaching on anger about this, particularly because it has such a misunderstanding, like you're saying, you want to have a relationship with your fire. You want to learn how do I relate to my anger in a way that's safe for me and safe for others. And if you don't want to be an explosive mofo, then (laughs) having, and this, you see this with like good fire care, you know, in the wild, like having little contained burns can prevent those absolutely destructive things. And so anger release sessions where you set up, you slow down and like to go over the steps that we just went through, right? You like, if I'm trying to feel my, my anger with these steps, 
okay, I would, I would slow down. I would put things away. Maybe I would start by writing to become aware. And maybe I would like conjure up all the things that fucking just happened. I'm just going to go with the swear words. You said I could go for it. I'm on a a mission. I'm on a roll. So you're just like, start conjuring up, whether it's like the most recent things or actually like, maybe you're really in this moment with a parent and you're really starting to access like how this thing from earlier in childhood really was wrong or whatever. You kind of pull it up you know, whether it's writing or just like muttering, and then you want to physicalize it. What's interesting is I'm giving you the basics of how to have the emotion in your body, those five steps. But like, then really what we're looking at is how do you move it out? Right. And like, depending on the vibe of the emotion, depending on the element, let's say, because fire operates really differently than water does. Right. And you know, what do you think sadness is? I just led you there. <laughs> water <laughs> comes out, salty water comes out of your face when you're sad, yeah. if you're lucky, right? And so, so sadness, the energetics of sadness are really like pooling and collapsing, right? Like it's a heaviness. We're bogged down. And that's gonna, that's gonna need to move very differently and need a different setup to move it, right? Than fire does. Mm-hmm. Fire is maybe the most physical of all of them, although they're really that's ridiculous because they're all just in the body, but it needs to be expressed physically. So whether it's if, you know, if you have limitations with your physicality, you could mutter, like I said, you could squeeze a pillow, you could, some people like to scream, although you want to be careful of your vocal cords. It's really satisfying if you have the energy and the, and the physical safety. And before you do any of these bigger things, you want to try to stretch and take care of your body. You don't want to offer your body to be destroyed by the fire and the anger because that's what it does. Like we said, take a towel or or a blanket and beat your couch or beat your bed or hold plank if until you're like so mad about it and start sticking your tongue out and doing lion's breath or collie breath like yoga wise or screaming, you know, if you're out in the wild, the best thing, and this is, I've done this like hundreds of hours, probably, or no, maybe a hundred hours, if I'm <laughs> honest, but I've, br- I've brought dozens of clients out. I take them to the woods with an ax and teach them to chop wood with an ax. Now this is obviously be careful. If you don't know how to use an ax, don't use an ax, like learn on YouTube or something. And there's all kinds of protocols and you should check in my YouTube and my um, podcast, like episode seven on the podcast is anger. It's actually where mm-hmm. I start with teaching. How do we move it? And there's, um, you'll see it on YouTube. It'll say anger. And I have tons of stuff on anger on TikTok because I think it needs more, more, more time, more teaching, but you want to move it through and you would Mm -hmm. still be like curious. What am I, what am I angry about? Okay. Can I turn toward myself? Can, do I need to put a hand on my body to feel the anger? You know, Mm -hmm. do I, how can I support the anger? And then the last one, just to go back to the original five that is permission. So that's where, you know, especially if you've been like doing new agey shit or like, <laughs> like, oh no, but if I'm angry, I'm going to generate more angry because my, yeah. my thoughts create my reality and, and I don't really <laughs> want to cause any harm. And like, what if I say I hate this person, but I, what if something happens? It's like, you know, those thoughts, right? Yes. So if, so in this case, that step might be before you start saying to yourself or saying to the universe or whatever you're jiving with, Hey God, Hey spirit. I don't mean what I say. I'm just doing this to heal myself so I can be less of a dick in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say really vile, murderous stuff, but I don't want anyone to actually be harmed. And this is the way I'm reducing Not my serious. own. Not serious. Yeah. yeah, this is the way I'm reducing my own personal harm. I so love permission. That. So that's mm-hmm. that's anger. That's the answer to your question. And just a review of the five steps of the basics. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah, I think that's such a helpful reframe for anger. I know that 
I definitely like deeply resonate with the, like approaching it that way and finding, you know, pieces of time to feel it where it's like, obviously not harmful to others, not harmful to yourself. I think that leaning towards folks embracing it like more as an emotion would be helpful, especially I think like it's a primary emotion for a lot of people. And so us pretending that it doesn't exist or that it it's wrong, like inherently wrong is so, so not helpful. Yeah. Two things about that. One is I think that, you know, older men were taught that was the only thing that they could feel. And so I know Mm -hmm. my dad, whatever he's feeling, it looks like anger. Sounds like Mm -hmm. anger, even if he's sad and scared. And so, you know, some people they're, they're very much like you're saying, locked into that. And the other thing is like, if you have, so if we look at fire, what would a balanced, what would a fire look like? That's not, you know, in either extreme, it might be like, what is the quality that could come from a healthy fire? It's, it's warmth, it's light. And so my teacher teaches that if you, if your fire element, your anger elements in balance, you have care. Like that's why we get mad is we care. And so, so being able to find that, that healthy expression of it. And then, you know, what is anger actually good for? Well, if we're not super mired in a backlog of unexpressed rage or so passive aggressive or whatever, when we get angry, it actually lets us know that something's violating a boundary we have, that something's Mm -hmm. not okay. And it actually, to feel angry toward the world or someone else because some people only feel angry at themselves. Depression often is like anger turned in, but to feel angry at anything outside of yourself. And by the way, if you are one of those people that's angry at yourself, you can still physicalize it. Physicalizing Mm -hmm. your anger toward yourself will still help you. Mm -hmm. But when you get to the place where you actually can be angry at something else, it requires some self-worth to be like, I didn't deserve that. That wasn't okay. And so actually like a healthy capacity and relationship with anger is really empowered. Mm-hmm. And really beautiful and enables us to like be in our hearts. So mm-hmm. good yeah. stuff. I love That's that. Awesome. That reminds me of the book that I think I mentioned last episode too, Rage Becomes Her, um, which is all about like women or people socialize as women and, and feeling anger and how it's, yeah, the first step to changing things. So I think anger can be really beautiful. We wanted to talk a little bit. So Kelsey has talked about in the past how like anger is quite accessible for her. And for me, I think like sadness is is always very <laughs> readily available. And do we want to go through like, how do you feel the saddies? <laughs> yeah, I love that question. And partially because if your listener leaves with a sense of this is how I have move an angry or frenetic kind of explosive feeling. And then this is how I move a collapsed or heavy or swampy feeling. Those are basically the two poles that all emotions are built on. They're either coming up and out, you know, and fear might be like a frenetic version of that. If you feel like you have to, you know, you have to run and you're shaking and you're, you know, buzzing with fear or anxiety, a lot of people call it, or they're like heavy and weighed down. And so, you know, just giving a few tips on how to, how to feel the saddies will help you have the two cornerstones of how to move your feelings. So with sadness, the speed really matters. Like we, like if we're going to try to release tears, if we're going to try to feel how sad we are, we can't be busy. And even being caffeinated can be really distracting because caffeine, I think the reason we like it all so much it lifts us out of our fatigue. Right. And so similarly, it lifts us out of our sadness. Huh? You're having a moment. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) because I often notice that when I'm sad or when I'm tired, I'm sad. That's why we were talking about my inner baby the other day. Yeah. 
Well, well, also, you know, have you ever been so tired that it actually is excruciating in the body? I mean, I once had an experience of being like, oh, this is why kids cry. It's like, <laughs> it hurts sometimes to be really, really tired. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, it doesn't mean you can't drink caffeine because again, we're not trying to have you in your feels all day in this kind of way. But it might be that you want to do sadness work in the morning or in the evening when you're not running and sped up. Hmm. And the basic action with sadness or with any of the releases that are like kind of, I hate to say this as a goal, but like are oriented toward trying to have tears move because tears other than anger and tears can come with anger. It's a little more rare, but tears are one of the most powerful way that we move all the feelings. I basically teach about four, the four cornerstones of like the wounded emotions, which is anger, sadness, fear, and shame. Okay you know, you, there are other feelings, but like, well, that's another thing just for the listeners at home. Another really amazing hack is like your fancy words when it comes to this stuff, not helpful. The magnet with like 60 options, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Like if you're writing poetry after you feel your feelings, yeah, use those nuanced <laughs> words. But when you're trying to feel the feeling, keep it simple. Like try saying I'm scared, even I'm scared other than I'm stressed or other than I'm anxious. Like get as close to the vulnerable experience happening in your body as possible with the word so that you can really like try to feel it. So that's, you know, and, and I had a high school therapist um, who actually the podcast season, one of the podcasts is mandated listening for her clients Ooh, years wow. later. And we've actually just reconnected. I know. And I didn't even tell her about the podcast. Whoa. <laughs> we've reconnected. Wild. There's an episode, actually my last episode in my season two is an interview with her, but she taught me that as a teenager. Cause I came in little sped up talking head, more thoughts than <laughs> any one human knew what to do with. And I'd be like, well, I'm frustrated. And she was like, nah, you have four choices. And her choices were actually slightly different. They were happy, mad, sad, scared. I use shame because really shame's at the heart of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my point is those four basics, if you know how to move sad or anything that is like that heavy kind of downward energy and you know how to kind of explode or move more frenetically, you're equipped to, to move all those feelings, mm -hmm. right? So for the sadness ones, or like might be the kind of pain, the sad grief of shame also, or the helpless par paralysis of fear, but all of those, what you want to do is swaddle and contain. You want to feel held. Okay. So your little baby, your sad little tired baby <laughs> needs a hug. So, you know, I teach clients that, and people in my podcast to like, you know, wrap your arms around your shoulders and like the, and there's one move where I, I drape my left arm closest to my heart, bend the elbow, put your hand if you can on your shoulder and squeeze your heart with it. It's kind of like little baby. And then take the other hand, the right hand and pet the baby. Cause then it's a really good physical reminder that you are your wounded sadness. And you are also the grown up at this point. If you're listening, if you're old enough to listen to podcasts, sadly, you're probably old enough that you are the person who's going to soothe you. And also, even though we turn toward each other with our sadness and with our feelings, I think there's also an addiction there where, you know, if, what if every time I, I took a shit, I was like, Hey guys, I need you to come in there with me. Cause it's the only way that I can do this. It would be, it would be hard, you know? And so <laughs> learning to, to contain hard. and hold for yourself also liberates and unburdens your relationships, which doesn't mean you don't sometimes need someone else to hold space for mm -hmm. you or a therapist or a friend, 
you want to build the skills to have a strong enough connection with yourself where you can move it on your own. In the podcast, episode five is how do you actually move your feelings? You'll hear those five steps. They won't be under that catchy phrase because I didn't think of that yet. Okay. But (laughs) they are the same steps. (laughs) Episode six is like, wait, 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 that sounded easy. That's, this is hard. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's like actually troubleshooting the process. And the main thing I convey there and get into some nuance that I know, Kelsey, I think some of it you might be curious about, but the main thing I convey is like, we need a really strong bandwidth. Like if you're trying to download or move or you know, have this massive 20 year emotional poop, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, think about a big file and you're, you have shitty bandwidth because you're at the airport. Mm-hmm. It's like, it doesn't matter how long your layover is. If you didn't <laughs> download the movie to your device, the, the airport Wi-Fi is not going to, it just won't. It's not a strong enough signal. Similarly, if you don't have a strong enough connection to yourself, you're not going to be able to access. And that's part of why people are so numb and, and even numb in the face of like atrocity, because mm-hmm. the feeling is so big, we don't have the capacity. And so what you want to look for, and there's lots of specific tips of what can be helpful is what are things that increase your bandwidth? So like mm-hmm. one of the things I can say is I feel like I'm a Wi-Fi hotspot for people's emotions. That's what I do as a psychotherapist is I am like tuning my system into amplifying their emotions, mm-hmm. but you can use music. You can make a sad playlist that you put you. So you get in your bed, cover yourself in all your blankets or get in the bathtub, actually be in the element that you're trying to move, right? A living that. element. <laughs> put on your sad playlist and tear jerk yourself. <laughs> Into your feelings, okay? I've never said it quite like that. Wow, it's so <laughs> close to something else. Um, okay, so so music, art, nature, guys. Feeling what what makes us feel held other than looking and seeing like a you know five hundred year old tree and being like, oh, it's chill. Whatever's going on for me, or you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how old the trees are, but like they're old. Mm-hmm. And there's like a huge web of life that we are just a tiny part of. And anywhere, if you have a connection or can build a connection to that and feel held by something bigger and something balanced, because nature is also it's moving slowly, right? The tree is mm-hmm. not busy. The tree is like being a tree really slow. So if you can like sit with your back against the tree, tell the tree what you're sad about, like Mm -hmm. build a connection to a tree near you or, or get yourself to a river or whatever it is where you feel like you can surrender. So there's a lot more tips on like uh, how to increase your bandwidth. Worst case scenario for those of you who are like, I don't know about where I'm going to find a tree or whatever, (laughs) you know, watch a sad or sweet cat video. But as soon as you start to feel moved, try to really kind of milk milk it for what you're sad about. So anytime you do just get bombarded by a feeling from, you know, media, use it, like Mm -hmm. pause the movie. Instead of just having a cute little cry, pause the movie, you know, excuse yourself if you have to, and like, get it bigger, have a release, you know? So you like use the sensations that come up to access the, the sadness or whatever it is, is there and like learn how to feel it. Yeah. I mean, the, the basic that this is like, you know, in this, I speak to in the episode of troubleshooting too, that there's two types of the emotional release. There's reactive, which is like what most of us are doing. We just have to, and we, and it usually comes easier because like your life just punched you in the stomach or squeezed you like you're a tube of toothpaste and you've got feelings coming out. So let them out in a good way. Don't, don't scream at the barista and get yourself to your car and mutter and swear there. You know, it's like, that's, that's healthy emotional release. You know, 
yeah uh reactively and then the the deeper work you have to get a little creative of like how are you going to find that part of you from when you were six or even 10 years ago I mean, it sounds like yours happened kind of organically Kelsey but how are you going to find this and you do usually need to you know try things out trial and error and and explore what helps you have a strong enough connection to yourself The reactive thing is so interesting to me because this just happened to me last weekend where I was watching a Pixar movie with (laughs) my partner and there's this one scene that's happening and I watched it and again, like I've expressed in this episode so far, like not a big crier and I'm like open mouth sobbing. Like I am like, (laughs) I like rewind it and watch the scene again, same reaction and (laughs) The movie movie? (laughs) Uh, turning red, which is about feelings, right? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And I were the movies over and I'm like sort of walking upstairs and I'm like still kind of like leaking tears. And my partner's (laughs) like struck a nerve. Hey, something there, (laughs) something there hit home. And I'm like, yes, I think so. Yeah. (laughs) But it was interesting to just be like, I kind of feel like I did that without even knowing where I was like, I want to watch that again because it was bringing something up that, you know, existed and just funny to think that like there can be, you know, power or even just comfort in, in doing that and feeling it then. Right. Absolutely. And, um, partially because you have the experience of what the after feels like anyone who's like, I'm not sure if I want to do this. Anyone who's like, look, I I'm just fine. I'm fine. Hell no. They probably wouldn't listen to you. I don't think those people are, are they're not listening to the podcast. They're not your target audience, but you might be, I mean, we all have days like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I actually created a TikTok recently where I'm like, what's worse, like that low grade funk of depression or like the acute, like snot your face off cry Mm -hmm. and everyone pretty much with a few exceptions. I'd say it was like 95% of the people were like, oh yeah, the depression funk is worse. Cause mm-hmm. you know, once we have the release, we're lighter, we're more in ourselves. Speaking of authenticity, we're a little more dropped in to mm-hmm. who we really are. And there's a piece there. Whereas if you're trying to not feel your pain, you literally aren't going to be able to relax because you can't live in your body. So you have to yeah. be really busy, really checked out, you know, create a whole stink of whatever to not mm-hmm. have, it's just, there's no peace there. And so I think once you're, especially if you've known that it's hard to cry, if you get a good cry. Of course you want to go back. And, <laughs> and that's totally respectable. It's a respectable way to do it. That's so funny. The episode where I first brought up your content, Rachel, was we titled it crying in a good way, because that's I feel like what I learned through listening to your podcast was like, oh, hell yeah, like I am crying. I have a lot of access to crying now and it does feel good after. It's like, yeah, it's just such an amazing release. So we love crying. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm almost like, is there a bad cry? Like, I don't know. I guess sometimes there's inopportune ones based on what, you know, this goes back to conditioning and gender conditioning. Like, I think it's particularly vulnerable for women or people conditioned that way, but who are being taught that they're, you know, too, too sensitive or emotional if you're bawling at work, but like, you know, your work probably has a bathroom. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you can, take a walk around the block. I mean, I just think there are very few situations where a good cry isn't going to be better. It is fatiguing. You might get swollen eyes, but you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was tired a lot too. (laughs) That does kind of feel like a little segue to during the time where I was crying a lot and moving a lot of feelings. Something that I struggled a little bit with was 
knowing what to do after I allowed the feelings to come up. And sometimes I would feel like maybe I got stuck there a little bit. Like I would get stuck in the sadness and like not want to take care of myself or I'd just be like, oh, like it's more compassionate or loving to just like stay in bed and stay swaddled. So that's kind of something I wanted to ask was like, what do you do after giving yourself permission to feel the big things? How do you still like, how do you wrap up? How do you wipe your ass, wash your hands and get back to your day? Exactly. Less full of shit. Right. Um, Really important question. Super important. And, and, and I'm not going to articulate the more advanced skills or this, uh, this end part, or I'm going to articulate the end part, but there are, there are other steps. The ones I gave are the basics, but the end of any feeling release, what, what we want to do and this is going to hit two birds for you because I know originally you you were both wondering, is there a misunderstanding or is there some, something that really screws with people? You might not have put it that way, but <laughs> so the last step, and it's kind of two part, but it's reality testing, yeah. reality testing, and then self-care. So reality testing is when, okay. So when you're feeling the feeling and this kind of hints at these other steps, part of the, the most important thing to do when you're trying to have your feelings is actually descend and become the part of you that feels like that feeling is true. Now, this is where people screw themselves up. And, you know, therapeutic people, new age people, spiritual people, it's like, usually a feeling comes up. We're like, oh, I don't, not good enough. I did a bad job. And then immediately this other voice is like, no, you did a, you're fine. You got a promotion or like, it doesn't matter. They suck. It was their fault. Like we talk ourselves out of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And When you are trying to have your feelings, that is one of the most limiting things you can do for yourself. Because while you're trying to have your feelings, you want to find and then become the part where that really is the truth. And our core wounds, which are those injuries that we have from when we're little, we didn't talk about that at all. So we'll just leave it there. They feel like they're the truth. They feel like all of the other parts of us, like we could feel like 97% of us is cool that they are positive. They're the truth. The 3% of not being cool or being worthless is the truth. And so to heal, you need to, and I alluded to this earlier, you need to actually feel how true it is. So at the end, when you're like, that's all I got for today, or like, I have to be in a ball gown in an hour. I better wrap this up. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> totally. I mean, that's pretty common transition, between, especially the last couple of years. But, um, you know, at that point when you're like, okay, this is, this is it for today or for this session, you want to say to yourself, now, was that really true? Is it really true that absolutely no one loves me? Or here's where another, another hack, you don't want to go for something really like lofty and glorified and super new agey and spiritually like everyone loves me. I'm perfect. Cause your wounded part does not believe that. And you don't believe it. It's bullshit. That's just like useless. Instead, (laughs) what is the most basic, grounded, believable thought and truth, reality to your wounded part? So maybe your wounded part only really knows, well, Kelsey loves me. You know, I have Kelsey or like my cousin or, or like, you know, if you're scared about your survival, maybe you, you remind yourself, well, even if I lost my job, I think that, you know, this person would help me, even if I lost my home, this mm-hmm. person, you know, it's like, what's really believable. Mm-hmm. So you can just start to like slowly come out of it. Okay. And the biggest thing, if you're going to, is don't reality test too soon. 
If, except if you're in that work meeting and suddenly you you slip up and you're like suddenly sobbing, reality test. Like that is not the time to try to like feel how true it is that you're a piece of shit. A lot of time, <laughs> it's not the time to do that. You know, I had to like make a video of my last relationship. I was like, yeah, no, just feel that sometimes. Like you're like, you're living in that. It's like the mo- the majority of the time, as much as possible, we want to anchor into our resourced part And part of this work is it's like connecting the part that needs the resource to the part that has the resource, like plugging those two in together, making them, you know, it's like Mm reparenting. So at the end, you're doing the reality testing and then you're like, given how sad I am or how sad I was or given how mad I am or given how scared I am or given how ashamed I am, what do I need? And this is, you want to incorporate like also very basic, you know, you have biology, you are an organism. Do you need to drink water? Mm -hmm. Have you had any water? Have you eaten? That might be part of why you're emotional. I know you guys asked about that too. It's like, what do you need to do? And what would be really like, what would tickle the part of you that's having those feelings? Like maybe you need to watch a Pixar movie. Maybe Mm -hmm. you need to call your friend. Maybe you need ice cream. Maybe you need a bath. Maybe you need a walk. Maybe you want to like put on a happy song. Like you really try to give care to the part of you based on what it says it needs. And one just quick like extra tip, because we're not talking about how to uh, integrate the wounded parts. But like once you start taking care of these parts of you and you start like making them kind of your VIP instead of like the ghoul that you're hiding in your closet, once you do that. And you start to include it and start to ask it throughout the day. What do you want to eat? Who do you actually like? You don't like that person. You feel terrible when you're around them. We're not, I'm not going to take you around them. Once you start doing stuff like that, kind of in your emotional release sessions and after, guess what? That's how we start to feel worthy because we're suddenly getting the care we need. Our little Mm -hmm. sensitive high maintenance parts are being included and tended to. And that's when they're like, you mean I'm not so bad. And then they heal. And then we don't feel like we're hiding the fact that we're unlovable because we the part of us that felt unlovable got the love. So now you know everything. Go forth oh and feel. <laughs> We're fixed. <laughs> I think that that was the key for me is like learning how to trust myself. And I think you talk about this in some of your episodes too of like learning to trust that no matter what comes up, like you're, you can handle it. Like you are a resourced person who's old enough to listen to a podcast and there are tools that you have and things that you can do to take care of yourself. That was so important for me to learn. Cause I don't think I like really knew that or yeah. like I needed to tap into that in some way to feel okay. Well, I think that beyond learning it, we also have to earn it actually. Like, I don't know that everybody is like, I actually think most people probably don't feel emotionally resilient. So I call that emotional resilience. Mm-hmm. It's the new happy. And what it is, is knowing that you can, you can handle your feelings because like, Sure, we, we might be afraid of death or homelessness or war or being ostracized from community. We have like concrete things, but we're afraid of those things. Maybe other than death, that's just like existential, let's say, but who knows? <laughs> we, we won't touch that today. We're wrapping it up here. You can tell I'm really good at being concise, right? But I am on TikTok. Find me there. But like what we're really afraid of is our feelings. And so once you get good at being like, oh, I know how to be, I know how to be angry in a way where I don't blow up anything I love, or I know how to find that sweet relief at the end of sadness, even if I need to Pixar to do it, like, then you can start to feel like, okay, I can be who I am authentically. I'm going to actually express what I want because worst case scenario, they say, oh, I can't give you that. And I'm disappointed. And I go have my feelings mm-hmm. or I can leave my job. And just so you know, also, if you haven't been having your feelings and suddenly you do all this work, you're going to be like, uh-oh, 
these elements of my life don't fit. Mm -hmm. I actually hate my wife or my (laughs) husband. I had a husband. It didn't work. So that self-trust, which, you know, episode 12 of season one really goes into how do you build that? How do you test yourself? How do you integrate the changes that you've made by learning to have your feelings? And how can you go forth in a good way from that emotional resilience? And I think becoming aware that you can have emotional resilience is a good start. But I do think until you're actually having the taste, the actual experience of the relief that comes from feeling your feelings, it's very natural to be resistant, to feel like this is only good for us. This is never going to happen for you. But even after like one big cry where you feel better, like, and you wrap up well, you do your reality test and you don't get stuck in bed all day, you might start to be like, oh my God, I can do this. And it's really life-changing. Yeah. Amazing. So I think you touched on there too, a piece that I feel like is really important where, you know, we've talked a lot about numbness, but you were sharing that if you are in an experience or in a setting where you're starting to feel big emotions and it's maybe not appropriate, which I think some people deal with that sort of like the other side of the spectrum too, learning how to sort of reality check yourself in those moments. So I just wanted to highlight that because I know that was something I was thinking about as well. And then a question I had for you was based on what we're talking about. I think that there's probably a lot of people out there like me who are going to seek out opportunities to feel feelings that they haven't felt over fairly long period of time. And so I'm curious what your advice is, or maybe what you would share with someone to like, help them feel the courage to embrace this. Like, it sounds like a lot of work to someone who's hearing this for the first time. And while I, I definitely understand the value in it, I wonder for someone who's, you know, shied away from it for a long time, is there, is there a piece of advice or something you would share to like help encourage them to, to sort of face it head on or, or start, start a journey of feeling their feelings more often? Absolutely. So the main thing you have to start with is just asking yourself the simple question of whatever you're doing to try to not have your feelings. You just have to ask, how's that going for me? <laughs> How is like only having haagen instead of my emotions going for me? How is, you know, needing to scroll my phone 12 to 18 hours a day going for me? I mean, the truth is, is if you can just be sober with yourself, which is kind of a a strong word to use in that example, because I'm talking about our drugs of choice, our addictions, like you can't be a human and not be doing something else, whether it's just disembodiment or some kind of engagement with, with something that's numbing to stay numb. And the good news is yes, it is work at first there. That's definitely true, but actually like it's so much less work, not too far in because it's like, think about how much work you're doing to try to not feel sad. What if like that day you were sad, you're like, wait, what am I supposed to, Oh yeah. I'm just supposed to allow allow myself to be as sad as I am. Just to give myself permission to be as scared as I am. I'm scared. Of course I'm scared. You're not scared. What are you doing? You know, like that kind of, it's like actually a lot less work. You're actually Mm -hmm. like starting to settle into that. You get to be how you are and who you are. And what I will say though, is, and I spoke to it just a moment ago, is that 
don't expect these words to do it for you. Like this is not an intellectual thing. And I think, you know, we've gotten, we, we talked about this in some really nuanced, sophisticated ways. I think I'm good about talking about this at this point. That's why I like mm-hmm. it. But it's like, that doesn't do shit for you. And like telling your friends about it isn't going to help you either. You know, although you should definitely tell your friends about this episode, <laughs> but it's like only actually getting in there with yourself and like trying to struggle or troubleshoot or play with that's a little more fun you know how do I how do I connect to myself only that and tasting your own little bit of resolve afterward is going to really show you that this is legit and so just you know just keep trying and expect to not do well at first you know and remember and worst case scenario like we said earlier if you feel like you're just totally blowing it and you're numb as hell and you can't stop looking at your phone during your feeling session, well then how do you feel about being just that addicted and that much of a failure? You know, go there, call yourself a failure. You are. So just like, be like, Oh, how do I feel being this much of a fucking failure? You know, just work with that. See if you have any sensations that. I love that reframing of like, what is the cost to you of doing nothing? <laughs> because there's a cost in not changing. And I think sometimes we overlook that. We talked about that recently too, where it's like, yes, change is scary and approaching new things can be like very daunting. But I think reminding ourselves like, okay, what if you change absolutely nothing? What will the cost of that be in six months, a year, 10 years? Like clearly these things have detrimental effects on how we show up in the world, how successful our relationships are, all of that. So thank you. For yeah, that. I think totally. That's and, and also just like the cost culturally, like I'm very jazzed about this because I also think we would have a very different world if like CEOs and political leaders and people in power were capable of feeling their feelings. And because mm-hmm. part of what happens when we're willing to feel our own pain is we have empathy. We get access to empathy for people, other people in pain. And so I actually think, you know, a a more balanced, more healed up world looks like a lot of people knowing how to be sad and mad skillfully, how to have your little emotional poop, wash up and not throw it at others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so good. I feel like I could just talk to you about this forever, Um, (laughs) but I'll wrap us up. Where can people find you and what are you working on if they want to dig more into this type of work? Great. Well, I'm going to tell you three things. One is the way to like get into my world. And that is, and you also, you get into my world, but you also get some free stuff. There's a quiz about your core wound. You go to your core, C-O-R-E, wound.com. And that will put you in my world and you'll get some free resources about how to work with those four different emotions. So that's the most direct access to me. And then most of the places where I'm, you know, have a presence online, you can look up healing, feeling shit show. But on TikTok, I'm the feelings movement. And you'll see how movement actually subtly references the poop also. (laughs) So the feelings movement. And honestly, a ton of my creative energy is going into TikToks. And what's really fun is, you know, I love that the podcast and my YouTube channel, which is also healing, feeling shit show. Those are free. How great. TikToks are free. How great. And, um, you know, therapy is really expensive. I see people every week, a lot of people, and it's very expensive. And so part of what I'm really jazzed about is offering free content. And also I'm currently running the beta group of like, kind of what is the most basic and affordable, like less than one cost of a therapy session course. So if you're, if you want help, which I'm sure you do, I needed a lot of help with this you know, there will be ways like that course will probably be, I don't know when you're going to launch this, but I bet that that course is available to purchase by like May or June of 2022. So 
check me out and I'm happy to help. And I also do like one-off sessions if you're like in the work, you know, so I'm just like, I'm here for it. This is what I'm lit up about as you might be able to tell. Cause I think I doubled the interview. time. <laughs> <laughs> so healing feeling shit show your core wound.com and the feelings movement. Amazing. And we'll get all your links. We'll put them all in the show notes and on our website as well. Thank you so much for giving us so much time. Yes. This was so fun. Um, it's you. wild to be talking to you after being having the like parasocial relationship for so long. <laughs> I'm just being like, that's my buddy, Rachel. She's still <laughs> So, yeah, I see you now. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that is it then. Anything else, Gills? I Yeah, just thank you. So we feel so grateful that you chose to talk to us today. So, mm. so exciting. Well, it, was, it was totally a, a pleasure. I'm really grateful for um, being welcomed into your world. And it's really, you guys are doing great work in the world. So, so thanks for having me. Thank okay. you. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Okay. Time for a, you know, super intense, very long fact check. Okay, I'm ready. Is it just the one that I already read? Excuse me? Don't <laughs> don't spoil it. There is just one fact. <laughs> is it a fact? I don't know. So this episode doesn't really have many facts, and that's just because it's great information about feeling feelings and if you feel feelings differently or anything like that then that's very much okay but in terms of you know straight facts there weren't what's it called when it's like a first degree source you know what Um, i mean subjective Mm, no no (laughs) like when it's some from someone who knows the thing so that's what this is that's why we don't have to fact check because she's a now we have to fact check whatever the hell you just said (laughs) primary source (laughs) <laughs> wait let me google this okay a primary source okay. is uh an artifact okay secondary source maybe <laughs> anyway we trust her <laughs> yes okay but there was a fact in this episode i say the word rewinded and that's not a word she got creative <laughs> i did and i was like I don't think that's the word. And so I looked it up and it's not. It's rewound. Nice, so I just nice. wanted to call myself in on that. It's <laughs> not rewinded. The past tense of rewind is rewound. Wow. You're so brave for that. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. Okay. Cool. That's all. Let us know if you want us to start a book club on the island. <laughs> I thought Let we were going to do a check-in. A check-in? Like a... About how we're doing. Oh, chitty chat? Well, yeah. that's this is the check-in. The check-in is we just had a new idea. I <laughs> would do you want to do a book club? Would anyone who listens to the podcast wanna be friends <laughs> in real life? <laughs> IRL. Let us know. I mean, we could do meetups. We could do I'm just a trying book to hang. Club. Me too. Yeah. And, and learn like, things. Yeah, with like cute, nice folks. I'm not going to lie, Kyla. I've been stopped before by someone who, what do we call them? Messies, I think. Or is that mean? (laughs) I don't know. I don't think we get to choose that. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, first of all. (laughs) We need to name our fans. There's so many of them. Kelsey's gotten recognized a few times, which I think is so funny because how it's a podcast. (laughs) They hear my voice. How do you know what she, that's so funny. Yeah, they're like, is that her? 
Who's that sexy voice? <laughs> I've never heard a voice quite like that before. Like, wow. Um, actually, Kyla, they recognize me from a hybrid from the pod and the gram. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> no, but JK, but actually someone has come up to me and said, I listened to your podcast and That's I so told cute. everyone I knew that it happened. Yeah, she, did. she did tell. It was a celebrity moment. Yep. It's pretty fun. No I deal. think I love that for you in particular because I think I would be so strange. <laughs> so. Oh, it is overwhelming. I'm like, you listen to what? You know so much about me. But That's I'm true. thrilled. That happened to me one time. I downloaded Hinge for a second. Am I going to tell a story oh, about Hinge? Yeah, tell the story. And I don't know why I did this. I wasn't <laughs> thinking straight, but I put my, <laughs> my Instagram <laughs> in. <laughs> Shit. I wonder if he still listens. I'm sorry. Anyways, so I put my Instagram bio, <laughs> Instagram handle in my bio. And this one guy, he found me. Hey, well, I guess he found the podcast through my Instagram and then like listened to it. And I think due like, diligence. He started like reflecting on his life and I think was having some really good moments of growth. Clarity. And. Uh, it was still through a dating app, but he found this. So he really shared um, a lot with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, I'm so happy and I got to go. <laughs> and then I deleted the app. <laughs> Honestly, if I was someone on a dating app and I found a person and they had a podcast, I'd run in that <sighs> direction. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, um, so yeah, I learned a lesson and I I don't like dating apps. <laughs> Well, sometimes people I work with are like, oh, I listened. And I'm like, I sure wish you wouldn't. Grateful for the listenership, but spooky. You really don't have to. (laughs) Don't listen. Don't tell your friends. Don't rate us. Kyla, no. Please don't leave a comment. It's reverse psychology. Reverse psychology. Yeah, Yeah. please. This is a secret. and We'd like to continue to be kind of an underground podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We'd like to continue to put in a lot of effort and have very little people hear us. (laughs) (laughs) That's reverse manifestation. (laughs) There we go. Okay. Well, good fact check. I wonder if anyone yeah. will listen to this. I wish I had more for you, but... Um... That's all right. Honestly, if someone listened this far, their little treat is they got to hear my first ever dating story on the podcast. Yeah. So that's what you get I mean, if you listened all the way through. It's worth it. So note, note to the folks out there on Hinge, maybe <laughs> pump the brakes on listening to multiple episodes before you meet the person. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Just that's like the lesson. Get to know someone in person first. Yeah, I mean, you're the one putting all your shit out on the internet. I know, I I asked for it. (laughs) I think if I came across a guy on Hinge and he had a podcast, I would absolutely tune in before I met up with him. Okay, it's not like I linked the podcast. (laughs) That's like a few layers deep of like searching. He went went digging. He went digging. Uh, I hope you're okay. (laughs) I hope that he's he's on a, a journey of healing <laughs> probably is that's great all right well, anything else <laughs> i don't think so uh, this was our first trial at having a conversation and we convinced everyone not to share our podcast and the guy yeah. that the guy that tried to date you is now crying so i don't know if this was <laughs> yeah we shouldn't do this <laughs> we got too loose okay 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 <laughs> bye bye